Hi, I'm John Foley, and this is the Cloud Database Report, a new podcast on the exploding world of big data and the platforms and services that companies use to manage data in the cloud. Terabytes, petabytes, and exabytes of data. We will discuss the latest developments in the cloud database market and talk to industry experts about the trends, challenges, and opportunities they see. Our guest today is Alexa Weber-Morales, a former colleague of mine, not once, but twice. Alexa and I worked together as tech journalists at CMP Media covering the IT industry. And more recently, we worked on the same team at Oracle on content and communications. Alexa is an editor and content strategist at Oracle. And notably, she's also a Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter. But first, a couple of announcements. This episode of the Cloud Database Report is sponsored by Cockroach Labs. What you build and where it takes you shouldn't be limited by your database. CockroachDB helps developers build and scale apps with fewer obstacles, more freedom, and greater efficiency. So you can forget about the database and trust that it just works. Kubernetes-friendly, open source, and indestructible, CockroachDB gives you the freedom to serve your customers anywhere and it's backed by world-class documentation and dedicated support. Discover CockroachDB, the most highly evolved distributed SQL database on the planet, Kubernetes native and built from the ground up to help companies of all sizes scale fast, survive anything and thrive everywhere. Learn more at cockroachlabs.com slash cloudwars. And our podcast is also sponsored by InterSystems. InterSystems is a creative data technology provider and the engine behind the world's most important applications, providing innovative data solutions for organizations with critical needs, such as those in healthcare, financial services, and logistics. The InterSystems IRIS data platform addresses interoperability, speed, and scalability powering global organizations to build high-performance, machine-learning-enabled applications. Through smart data fabrics, InterSystems connects data across organizations and enables them to maximize their existing technology investments. InterSystems is committed to excellence through its award-winning 24 by 7 support for customers and partners in more than 80 countries. Learn more at intersystems.com. Alexa, it's uh, it's great to talk to you. How are you? I'm great, John. It's so good to be back talking with you and thinking about the future. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, um, we uh, it's springtime here in New York. You're in the Bay Area, and yep. um, uh, you know, so there's a lot to look forward to. Um, you know, I guess uh, a good starting point for people who don't know you, Alexa, is to maybe just uh, tell everyone a little bit about what you do. Yeah, I think that um, I have a, a, a unique sort of skill set, which is combining an understanding of technology with the ability to sort of discover and tell stories about it, um, you know, do brand journalism about it. Um, and, and I think that I always say I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a developer. I just play one on TV. But, you know, over the years, I have accumulated a lot of knowledge about all of this, and I understand this particular corner of uh, the technology world very, very well. 
Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's always interesting as writers, we think about uh, both the content and the audience, right? And um, I know that in the world of databases and cloud databases, uh, there's a lot of technical content for technical audiences. Um, and um, so the developer audience obviously is like, you know, the center of the target for a lot of that. But I think that data, data management, cloud databases um, are important and relevant to a, a wider audience. So I'm always thinking about, you know, how to take uh, these topics and make them accessible to more people. Um, but why don't we start, like I said, at the center of the target here and talk about that developer audience. I mean, uh, you know, the, the world of development has changed uh, quite a bit over the years. And um, one of the things that you and I work together on has been, um, you know, uh, working with the, the, the rise of what this new generation of developers, um, what some people might call cloud native polyglot developers. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about um, that audience and um, how, you know, the kind of work that you're doing to, um, you know, to, uh, you know, to share stories and updates and, and you know, the, the latest tools and technologies with that audience. Yeah, I mean, developers, they're, they're kind of the same as the way they always were. And then of course, things are always changing. Uh, I always like to say developers are people too. So that means, um, you know, you have to speak the language and you have to understand what motivates them is really no different from what motivates anybody else. Um, you know, they, they want uh, healthy careers, you know, they're excited by cool stuff. Um, they they want to build things. Um, they want to be recognized. Um, but also they follow trends. You know, I always think it's funny when people say, well, we're going to market to developers by not marketing to developers. And, and I always say, well, that's a choice. You've obviously, wh whether you do it or you don't do it, you've made a choice. That's how you're going to market to developers. And you can see all over the the, uh, the the internet people doing a good job of marketing to developers so um, that means there is a way to do it um, speaking to the whole cloud native developer concept it's been really interesting i've had the um, experience of going to kubecon which is the kubernetes conference um, now several times in a row and um, and as well as covering it virtually this last year and what's incredible to see is how important and mainstream uh, this has become to every company. So, so Kubernetes is a way of orchestrating um, applications that are packaged in containers, which means they contain all of their runtime dependencies, the operating systems they need, the data they need, everything they need. But then when you're gonna, if you're gonna deploy this stuff at scale, you know, you're gonna have a scale of thousands, it's, it's surpassing human ability to manage all that. And so then you need a container orchestration system. Kubernetes is the main one um, with a unit of pods or groups of containers, sort of like the operating system of the cloud, but you actually don't have to use Kubernetes per se. Um, and, and all of these companies that we use, Netflix and all of the streaming companies, they're all using um, this concept to serve us at the scale that we've become accustomed um, to, to, to receiving information or, or, or data or coordinating things um, like our ride sharing and things like that. 
Um, and there, that is all run through the Linux Foundation, through their Cloud Native Computing Foundation. So anyway, the KubeCon event, which is their main event, when I first went, you know, it was very the stereotypical sort of a sysadmin, which is sort of a sub subcategory of developer, and they had pink beards and colorful hair and, you know, very eclectic look. And it's becoming more and more mainstream. And the last one that I went to, you know, every, you know, New York Times, um, you know, they were hiring hundreds of developers, Home Depot, Capital One, you know, every bank that you've ever heard of, Discover, all of these companies are looking for people who have these particular skills and they will pay bank to get those people. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. They just want to know if you're the good person, if you're the person who knows how to do this, we need you. So, um, so that's what's happening. And, but then ironically, so that's kind of a, a rarefied skill set. But then on the other end of it, you've kind of got, um, you know, the, the people who are taking the incredible utilities that have been created to make things easy to build and also applying a developer mindset to it. And so that's sort of on your, your citizen developer side to it. But um, I don't know if that's enough of an overview, but, but that is kind of what's happening. And it's, it's ongoing. It has not slowed down in the least. In fact, you might argue I don't have any data for this, but you might argue that that's one of the reasons why tech has been so strong through the pandemic. Yeah, well, look, uh, that's interesting. You, you know, you started uh, talking about um, the conference by saying that, you know, it's kind of becoming mainstream. So this is the thing is that Kubernetes, I mean, a lot of business people um, have uh, now, uh, you know, have a sense of what Kubernetes is and what it does. And so, you get this uh, interesting kind of um, uh, uh, conversation that that needs to take place, um, you know, regarding this deep technical content and you know the broader uh, business and technology audience. Now, I I know um, Alexa that you know I, I follow your work. You've written about Java, Raspberry Pi, Kubernetes. Um, you also write about women and girls in technology. So you kind of like cover a, um, a wide landscape here. What um, what are some of the things that you've been focused on most recently? Yeah, I've done a lot of really fun things for the Java team, um, for Java Magazine, um, which another one of our colleagues, Alan Zajic, is now uh, one of our former uh, colleagues in a past life. And, and once again, here at, at Oracle, um, he's the editor-in-chief of Java Magazine. Um, and, uh, so I've written about the, the one that I had a lot of fun with, and it's still making the rounds on Twitter. Um, it took me a lot of research, but I wrote about, um, Java and how it, it powers the stock market. And there were just so many interesting things about, um, st stock market trading, open source trading, and it's, it's fallen a little bit from its height, of course, because the thing is that at the time, uh, you know, 25 years ago, Java was, you know, the, the, the hip new thing. It was making so much possible. Now, there, even though these open source Java um, libraries for algorithmic trading are still very big and all of those, alg all the quants and all those people have to know Java. Um, at the same time, there's a lot of new languages on the scene. So you can do a lot of this stuff in Python or you can do it in R or, you know, uh, um, I'm forgetting there's, there's some specialized finance languages that people use. So there's that. Um, we obviously celebrated the 25th anniversary of Java. And so I came up with a 25 greatest Java apps ever written, which was um, which is very you know popular article. And then the thing that I just did that I had a lot of fun with was write about um, Apex, which is um, Apex is a forms over data kind of a um, 
program that lets you build incredibly powerful applications on top of an Oracle database um, or even a spreadsheet. And it just has a, a, you know, a huge user base of, of people who are just rabidly enthusiastic about it. And so I started a new series um, called or uh, Apex App Creator Spotlight. And the first um, person that I interviewed was this guy in Alexandria, Egypt. And he um, created a simple app using Apex. Um, he had a friend who had a business doing certifications, um, professional certifications. And as you might imagine, when you're done training the people, the process of sending out the certificates takes a long time, you know, customize it for each person and all that stuff. So what I love about him is how he thinks like a developer, which I do think is, even though I think I have some analytical abilities, it always surprises me how developers think because it's it's a little bit different, I think, from, from you and I. And, and he, he really thought of each step. Well, what are each step that somebody takes and how much time does that take? And he literally calculated out that the process of customizing all these apps and the, uh, these uh, certificates and sending them to each address you know, and the, and the right links and all that took 37 hours. And through a little program that he wrote in Apex, which um, uses actually a Java-based, but he didn't program it in Java, but a Java-based uh, utility called Jasper Reports, I believe, that is, it's designed to create reports or create certificates or create any kind of document that you need. So he automated the entire process from getting the names to creating the certificates, to sending the emails, because you can do all that with Apex, from 37 hours to one minute to send out you know, dozens of certificates to one class. Wow. And isn't, isn't that cool? And it, and it looks really cool. And so we did a video, video interview with him and he does a demo of it. But then the funny thing was it went even deeper than that because uh, Jan, uh, who's the art director for the magazine, she noticed, she was the person who first noticed it. He had a link to his resume in his emails. Um, and she said, wow, your resume looks really nice. So I went and I clicked on his resume. He made this beautiful resume in Apex as well, with, which is cool because um, you click on a link, let's say uh, experience, and he made graphs and charts and pie charts. And so he's got all of his skills and they're growing, you know, th this one and this one and this one. And, uh, I was like, what a creative idea. So then I said, well, let me let me do this interview with you and we'll talk about your certificate engine, he called it, and then we'll talk about your interactive resume. And once again, he really surprised me with the depth that he was able to bring to that conversation too. Because again, I would have just sort of thought, oh, we just thought instead of LinkedIn, I'll do this. But no, he really had thought about how portfolios work and how designers have portfolios and why shouldn't a developer have a portfolio like that where he could have all of his certificates and have all of his skills and have it be interactive. And then he works in Apex. So why not code it all in Apex? Brilliant. Um, so anyway, that's an example of something that I that I just worked on and it was really fun. Yeah, you know, that's that's uh, reminds me of this general trend that I'm seeing. Um, it's certainly true um, in the world of cloud databases. Uh, I think it's a broader across uh, IT, but it's um, the simplification of advanced IT. Um, so, you know, Oracle um, announced um, 
a couple months ago, the Oracle Autonomous Data Warehouse, I, I, I was on that briefing. And one of the things they talked about there was what they referred to as citizen data scientists. So it, it was the idea of making um, data science tools and capabilities available um, to more types of people. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I think your example with Apex uh, might fit in uh, fit under that umbrella. Um, and um, you know, in the world of cloud databases, you can see things like, uh, oh well, managed database services where, um, or even the, the autonomous database where um, you know these really kind of complex processes are simplified, um, which just basically puts more power into the hands of not just developers and IT professionals, but also business users and, and you know ultimately consumers as well. Um, you know. Uh, um, are, you know, do you, do you, do you agree with me? Do you see that happening? Uh, I mean, I think I do. Um, you're reminding me that, um, another one of, uh, your neighbors, um, he always had the most wonderful, I'm talking in the past tense, just because we haven't gone to any conferences for two years, but, um, in, in, at the conferences, he would always have the most wonderful examples. And he had used New York city open data APIs for transit, if I recall correctly, to calculate for his, his kids are going to school in Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn public schools or something like that. And to, and he created some sort of app for his kid to like calculate out um, bus times or transit times to get to school on time or whatever. And, but he had this wonderful demo and, and yeah, there's, there's so many examples of that, um, you know, they've called it API driven or API led development. And yeah, that's increasingly common. Um, and certainly the tools make it very easy. Do they make it as easy as, I mean, let's say, what's the future going to be? Is it going to be like computer on Star Trek? So are we there yet? No, we're not. Um, because, you know, in the future, you would be able to just go computer, tell me this, 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 you know, like on the cop shows, and then they always have them completely unrealistic. You're like, really? If the, the cops have this much money, something's wrong, right? They have like the, the 3D model, and then they're like, look at this. Let's do the, you know, I like, I like my cops to have like yarn and pictures with tape. You know, that's what I'm. <laughs> yeah, those are the, those are kind of the future scenarios, I think, that um, look, uh, <laughs> look easy to produce sometimes. Um, but I, yeah, but I hear what you're saying, but that does seem to be the direction that things are going. And, that, and, and that's what I'm talking about here. Um, and, uh, and I think it bodes well. Um, you know, we have seen, you know, um, not, uh, ease of use and productivity advances, um, you know, um, in, the, in the world of databases. Um, and as I said before, you know, kind of the broader world of IT. Um, and now this stuff is making it into the hands of more people, which is is pretty cool. Uh, what you know, maybe Alexa, you made reference to this, uh, the fact that you know we haven't traveled for you know a couple months. I actually um, made my first trip uh, by air um, last week um, in you know fourteen months or whatever it was. So it feels good to be getting out and about again. And and people are starting to think about lessons learned right, from uh, the global pandemic, 
um, what things, uh, what are the takeaways, what has changed um, with remote work, uh, with uh, mobility, um, with uh, bandwidth and data requirements? Um, what have you seen? I mean, uh, my, my first two obvious ones, um, unrelated to what you just got me thinking in some other directions, but the, the two that I've been thinking all along are actually that UBI and automation, we've just seen how much they are, if not now, completely going to be a reality. I mean, I think the fact that, you know, life in the U.S. did not stop. I mean, we were all very afraid. I mean, we didn't know if there's going to be a food shortage, you know, what's going to happen. And things continued. And I think between unemployment payments and um, those uh, the PPP loans and all this stuff, there was a lot of distribution of income and it was very automated, you know? And so I really thought to myself, wow, no matter what you believe in regarding uh, universal basic income, I think we kind of showed it was, it was happening. Um, and same thing with automation. I mean, how did we manage to live the way we lived? I'm, I'm again, I'm not an expert, but it seems to me like we did so because of automation. I mean, already, how do we produce this much food? It's the most automated industry that's out there is, is our, is our food industry, you know? And so that's how we're able to, we were able to produce this much food. Of course, those people were putting themselves in more danger than the, than the regular population, but um, but then moving beyond that, um, certainly you saw the winners in the tech space being the people who had figured out um, automation. You know, of course, early on you saw Zoom um, and suddenly streaming was huge. Um, and uh, you also saw supply chain. There was, it was, it's always so interesting in the news industry, right? Where no, something that everybody thinks is incredibly boring you know, nobody cares about. It. And then all of a sudden, everybody's writing like detailed things about supply chains, because of course, at the beginning, it was, it was a real struggle. And the stuff wasn't coming from China, you know, and then and my, my husband is a truck driver. And, um, you know, so I have some some insight there as well. It is really interesting to see how even supply chains really changed and turned around. And again, from what I've you know, from very light reading that I've done on this topic, um, uh, my husband actually was in the first among the first people. He was delivering the vaccine when it was first uh, made available, and I know that there were special procedures; it had to be refrigerated and things like that. Um, and uh, from what I understand, one of the reasons why our rollout, our vaccine rollout, has been quite good is because of the supply chain that we were able to quickly build to deliver this refrigerated vaccine all over America. And, um, and that's kind of an amazing, um, amazing story. And with regards to the streaming and the work from home, again, are we going to be able to go back? Um, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to already work like this, and I have most of my life. But, um, but for musicians, all my musician friends were really wrecked by this. Um, and all my road warrior friends, you know, I remember early on in the pandemic, somebody was like, I miss the airport. And I was like, who misses the airport? You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't miss the airport, but I do miss the travel and the personal interaction and the professional interaction for right, sure. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. But then, but then what happened? You know, what's interesting is again, pivots. And it's just, that's why life is so crazy and so amazing. So 
we pivot to, and I want to say one thing about the supply chain, supply chain, not very interesting. You know what I was just reading about yesterday on Twitter. Now these ventilation systems experts, you know, building ventilation, like that's the new area that everybody's thinking about moving forward, building ventilation, it'll be huge. <laughs> but, um, and then for, for musicians, uh, we couldn't gig. So gigs were gone, completely gone. And, you know, comedians, they started doing outdoor shows, you know, some people managed to keep that going a little bit. But for the most part, what did everybody do? They put their heads down and they started what we call in the music business, we call it shedding. They started shedding, they started practicing. And online education exploded. And online education, again, you know, I just think it's interesting, whatever model you look at, is that the penultimate model? Have they figured it out all out? No. I mean, Berkeley College of Music, uh, they pioneered online uh, education for musicians, you know, 15 years ago. And thanks to Oracle, I was able to take over a year of amazing classes at Berkeley College of Music. Um, I learned orchestration and composition. I wrote my first symphony. I was learned, taking theory classes, all this stuff. So I did that for more than a year. And, or, and then with the pandemic, I found a, a, a different school that was much less expensive than Berkeley College of Music out of St. Louis, Missouri. They're just amazing. And they themselves have been saying, due to the pandemic, every business that they know of that's in online education exploded, you know, had a huge year. Everybody, and it's all about how, and they're so good. You could see how Berkeley kind of had developed their methodology and then stuck with it. And it was a little bit dated, you know, just like any website, if you were to go to any website that was never changed from 15 years ago. And Meanwhile, these other guys, they're using Zoom. They're breaking down the walls. It's amazing how they break down the walls with Zoom. It, you, you almost don't even understand how, how successfully they've done it. Um, and coming out with new, you know, constant novelty, constant new courses, you know, whereas Berkeley kind of was like, we created these courses and then we hire these real professors and then they give the same course for the next 15 years, which as you can imagine, leads to some stagnance, you know? So to me, it's really interesting. Another area is bicycling and like personal mobility. You know, my, my whole family is a bicycling family. And my husband has a really good friend who's a bike mechanic. The guy's like, he's never had a year like this. You know, he's sold out of everything. He repairs bikes. He's making money hands over fists. So I think, you know, it's a really interesting time. And you just see how, how things change and, and, and new, uh, new businesses emerge. And, um, well, yeah. you know, it, it reminds me, Alexa, that, um, you, you just, I mean, you went through so many different uh, scenarios and so many different examples there, but in the world of data, um, you know, IDC came out with, uh, the latest version of their, um, global data sphere report. And they said that there was, um, a, a, an increase in data being created, um, during the pandemic in 2020. Um, I think because so many people were working from home and there were kind of new demands. And then of course, uh, the IT teams and the developer audiences were really being put to the test in many ways, I think, uh, having to build out infrastructure, provide tools. Um, and uh, it will be interesting to see how many of those practices carry forward. I think we're all kind of watching that. 
Um, one of the interesting things to me from the IDC report was they said that only about 2% of data uh, globally is captured. Mm -hmm. um, more than 90% of it is not. Um, and from a business point of view, that seems really interesting to me. Like, um, you know, uh, there's probably some latent uh, value in some of the data that's not being captured and analyzed. Yeah, data is is like air and water. It's it's never going to not be there. It's never going to not be important to running uh, your applications. But um, the interesting thing is that uh, there's going to be tools that are going to make that really easy um, to deal with, you know, and 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 make it easy to sort of discover the good stuff that you need and and maybe clean out the stuff that you that you don't need and you don't want to be paying to keep or paying to to process. Um, certainly, one thing that may be coming and I, I don't know anything about this really, but, um, but certainly with blockchain, you know, this concept of of having, um, you know, these these contracts, um, it seems like you're going to clean out a lot of cruft by by having that process or at least clean out a lot of extraneous steps in any kind of um, transaction um, using using blockchain and and that applies to and, and the other thing I think around data um, and, and again there's, so there's a ton of tool sets around blockchain for every industry you can imagine especially um, music and um, uh, you know anything sort of financial cultural any kind of inter interchange uh, um, food quality all these different things there's a blockchain element in a bit, in addition, of course, to the whole crypto DeFi um, concept. Um, and then uh, um, I just lost my train of thought. I had another one. I had another one. Yeah, <laughs> I well, I mean, so far. <laughs> yeah, blockchain will do that to uh, do do that to any It'll of us. Do that to <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but you can all you know you, you know that it's not going to change. Uh, so um, uh, well, look. Um, I had another one though. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, as we as we uh, as we wrap up here, I guess uh, you know, let's take it back to kind of the editorial um, uh, point of view. Like, what are you working on? Like, what's what's next? Um, you know, uh, what kind of uh, um, topics are you following that um, that are that are interesting? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in. Um, Oh, I know what I was going to say. It was just this concept of not having to build it all yourself, you know, so that, <clears throat> you know, as people are trying to, to build these, these, um, you know, full stack types of applications or, um, or, uh, you know, or streaming platforms or any of these things that they're working on. Now there's so many pieces that you can use, you know, so that you don't have to, you don't have to build it yourself. But the other thing is, um, uh, I think I think sort of the key to success in in, in all of this is um, is just finding those surprising, delightful interactions. And again, I think people are silly when they think that developers can't be surprised and delighted. It's like that's all I see is that you know is um, when you when you provide something that not only sort of fixes a problem or creates a cool thing that you can do, but you also um, market it well to them, you know, they will definitely, you know, gravitate towards that. I mean, they won't appreciate it if you just 
sell them something terrible, they may not forgive you for it. But um, uh, so that so that's what what that is. I'm working on more of this Apex series and. Um, uh, what else am I writing about? Um, I will be writing some more, you know, machine learning and data science type stuff. Um, one, one key point I wanted to say about data science um, that we didn't get into, but just, you know, no matter what with data science, it's going to be asking the right questions. It's, that's going to be the most important thing. And, and that's the, the reason why, um, you know, you hire people who, you know, why you do hire data scientists, because there's, there's two sides. There's a data engineer and there's the data scientist, and you kind of need them both. Um, just like with same thing with um, algorithm trading, you need that quant maybe who understands algorithms and is good at that. But then maybe you're going to need that um, financial engineer who understands the platforms. Um, you know, so so you're going to need a little bit of both um, both there. But that's it. That's it for this episode of the Cloud Database Report podcast. Uh, thank you, Alexa. Um, it was great uh, talking to you again. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Uh, you can find the Cloud Database Report on the Cloud Wars website and be sure to sign up for the free Cloud Database Report newsletter. Until next time, take care. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you.